You are listening to Let's Be Honest with Just Jonda. Hello, and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and as always, I am so excited to be here with all of you. So today, we're going to get back to some of our regular programming. We've had a lot of things that we've been trying and uh, incorporating into the show, so we're still going to see those things, but we're never going to forget where we started, which is talking about some of the news stories, whether it's pop culture, legal politics, and of course, taking a deep dive. Today's topic, yes, this is America. Now, I've got several stories that have been all over the place over the past, let's say, two weeks. And those stories have really got me thinking about the fact that whenever something happens, people go, oh my God, I can't believe it. Is this America? Is this the America that we know? And my answer is always the same. Yes. This is America, whether it is something going on in pop culture and all and all the kids, young and old, are saying, save Britney Spears, whether and, and folks having to issue 20 years later apologies, whether we've got uh, freaky sex stories with police officers or celebrities, the impeachment of a president who was on his way out of the, who was on his way out of office the stock market issues a couple of weeks ago where people decided you know what this was going to be our chance to be on the come up and the fact that there are powers that be who were literally willing to risk everything including litigation investigation and you name it to shut it down so that individuals that were not in the top 1% couldn't possibly play the same games that those folks play every day. And we come back to the same thing. Yes, this is America. So I'm going to talk about several stories, most of them in, in a lot of ways unrelated. But again, we're going to tie it all back together in the end. So I hope you'll go on this journey with me. So a couple of our stories, starting uh, starting with this one involving this officer out of Texas, we had a lot of fun with this one, right? So we're going to get right into this. I mean, at least I thought it was kind of fun. I know you hear me flipping pages, but you all know that I take notes, so you'll get over it. So... <laughs> The first one, let's talk about sex. Sex in Pennant, Texas. Now, this story, of course, was made for this podcast, right? Uh, those who listen regularly, you were probably like, what? Just Jonda hasn't talked about it? Well, I've been preparing. So, and, and it's great because I've gotten 
through to where the situation is now. So let's talk about Jason Collier. Jason Collier was in the news about two weeks ago and everything sort of got glossed over by the person who shall remain unnamed who put a substance that I will not name onto a part of her body it was not meant for. And we're just going to leave it that like that because I'm just not going to give it any more press than it deserves. So this all started with our chief of police, Jason Collier. Now I'm going to tell the story a little bit different than what you've heard. You all, you all know that people will say, well, it all started with social media. No, it didn't. This story didn't start when one of Jason's mistresses decided to out him because she, I guess, had to come to terms with the fact that she was indeed a mistress or a side chick, really, because he had several. This story starts with Jason. It starts with the fact that Jason Collier is married. He's the chief of police. In Texas, he's making, I looked up his salary, uh, looks like he's making mid-40s, maybe? So not a whole lot of money. And again, cost of living where he is is probably fine, but the uh, there's a reason why I bring up the money. We're going to get to it. So he's married and he has been having affairs, girlfriends. Okay, so none of that is new. Well, Jason decides he's going to take his cheating to the next level by actually creating full-blown relationships with these women. And of course, there's many of you out there saying, okay, you're still not telling us anything new. People who have affairs, they create relationships. Okay, you're right. Jason takes it a step further and actually gets engaged to these women, or at least that's what they think. One woman, he goes so far as to produce or in some manner, in some manner, manufacture and produce to her documents of an alleged annulment. And I guess he must have done something to make these documents look very official or uh, maybe use some letterhead or something. But at any rate, the production of these documents was so well done that that is one of the things that he's being charged with. So he didn't, you know, get out a piece of paper and say, I hereby am not with this person. Now, apparently, what from what we can put together, he told them, and from what the women have said, he must have been telling them um, different things like he's going on special assignments and, and different ways that a police officer could put themselves sort of out of reach in terms of coming home at night. Uh, it, several of these women had children as well. And so that was another interesting thing that he did because in order to not only make the lies believable, but also to probably make it easier on himself, what the women discovered as they began to uh, discuss this, because I mean, literally you could go down the rabbit hole with these women the better part of an entire afternoon. Um, 
he would use different anecdotes or things that may have occurred when he was with one woman with another woman and just saying, oh yeah, I was delayed because my son hurt his arm or my son had this incident or whatever, which really did happen, but just not necessarily with his son. But he was with the person when that happened. So of course that became a justifiable way to um, to say I was delayed because of. And so he set up this web of deceit that apparently he had going on for long enough to be in, in quasi-engaged. Well, again, they're engaged. He's engaged in screwing them and literally and figuratively. And so apparently he decides to put on the county website a happy anniversary message to his actual wife. So there's a picture of him and his wife there. Well, one of the affianced, uh, Miss Cecily Stenmitz, also on her page. So this is going on. There's several things going on simultaneously. So Cecily Stenmitz, right around the same time, posted on her page a picture of her and her boyfriend. Okay, you're my boyfriend. We're affianced. So it would make sense for me to post a picture of us, right? I mean, why not? We're holding out to the world that we are in a full-blown relationship so much so I'm planning to marry you. Later, she posted an update that he was living a double, triple life by dating her and other women and that he had a wife. So you're like, okay, so how did we jump from point A to point B? Well, the reason why we had this jump from point A to point B is because Christy Stiffer or Stouffer chimed in saying, I'm one of the girlfriends, not to mention there being other people who saw this and was like, did you see the post on the county website with him and his wife? So, so I talked about the false document. So Steinmetz was the first poster, was the one who he produced these documents saying the marriage was annulled. So no secret there on where the county got the documents to uh, to indict him for uh, filing false documents. So she also, Cecily, went on to the Stinnett Police Department's Facebook page and called him out for being engaged to both her and Christy. And then subsequently more women began to come out. These women, it went into the teens, the number of women that he had. So this just, <laughs> it was wild. It went on and on all day long. So we find out that he was even spending money on them, buying them similar gifts, spending, as I said, spending time with them and their kids, they're traveling because they're not paying all the bills. So my question is, where's all this money coming from? You're on an average police chief salary in Pemmett, 
Texas. You are not on a police chief salary in Washington, D.C. or um, or New York City. Far, far from it. And as I said, I looked up the salary there. The uh, The average salary for the person who was the chief before him, it was in the mid to high 40s. Because again, there are probably some place where the cost of living is cheaper. But even if you live somewhere where the cost of living is lesser expensive, that has no impact on how much it costs when you are traveling and when you're going overseas and taking vacations with people, that's going to cost whatever it costs. And when you're buying gifts and doing things with multiple women. Okay, Jason, all I'm saying is there might need to be some audits going on because I wouldn't be surprised if an audit finds that Jason was doing a little bit more than lying and having a wayward penis. I'm not saying that he did. This is just my personal suspicion based on the circumstances. And like I said, there was a, an anniversary dedication to his wife on the Facebook page. So what the heck is she getting? So girlfriend number three pops up and they're all on the page because these other women are saying, well, I know someone else and I know someone else. But then the other woman, girlfriend number three, now she's not one of the affiance. She started comparing notes and showing how he was communicating with her while he's and they're uh, linking up their timelines. And this is all a mess. And like I said, you could literally go in a deep well of a rabbit hole reading all of this. It had everybody wrapped up for like two days. And the drama in the comments of the photo, when I say awesomely entertaining, like I literally want to write a mini series myself about this. Forget one of these one night movies that Lifetime has been getting. I'm talking about let's take it back to the 80s where you got a mini series that was Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, like Lace and Lace 2 and all of those good ones. That is the kind of mini series this should be. In fact, forget network TV because we need all of the nitty and the gritty. So forget Lifetime, forget all of that. I want Netflix, HBO Max, or Amazon Prime to have a bidding war to give this one of those five or six part limited series. We'll need much more than that, but we need a limited series out of that. I want to see the evolution of this foolishness from day one, because we know that this has been going on for years, right? Even if not with this group of women. The, I want to see everything, the resignation, the arrest, the investigation, because again, I think this investigation needs to go a lot deeper. You need to check what's supposed to be in the evidence room versus what is in the evidence room. Check the budgets, check those expenditures, whether it is expenditures directly for his office or anything that he had his hands in and who are his best friends that may have helped out with this stuff. So, you know, that I, I just, the minute I heard about this, I'm like, mm, 
I don't know if this is just, if it's just enough that he lied on some forms. So, and like I said, he's in Stinnett, Texas. He wasn't making a mint. And in, okay, so I did, I did pull it. I couldn't find it for a few moments, but I have it right here. In 2017, the police chief in Stinnett, Texas made $49,190. So even if he's gotten a few bumps since then, because it's not like he's been the chief for a super long time, because the person who was chief in 2017 was a different person. So even with some raises, I would be hard pressed to believe he made more than 60K. It's, it just doesn't make any sense. So, and by the way, I was saying Piment, Texas is actually Stinnett, Texas. Sorry about that. So his charges so far are tampering with government documents with intent to defraud. Uh, the, it's a second degree felony, the penalty two to 20 years with no mandatory minimum. So I'm thinking he will probably get probation. I would doubt that he has any type of criminal record, given that he not only was a police officer, but he was the chief of police. So chances are we're just talking about um, some minor charges. Uh, I mean, some minor time. Obviously, he's going to lose his pension and all of that kind of stuff, but that's par for the course. The idea that he's going to jail, eh, I don't see it. So that is the first in our crazy love situation. And we're going to take a quick break just so that we can digest this stuff a little. And we're going to come right back with one more story about some messy relationship stuff. And then we're going to really dive in about This is America. And I'm back again. So if you're just joining us, this is Let's Be Honest with your host, Just Jonda. And tonight, I am using some of the stories that have been going on the past several weeks in the news to talk about the fact that this is America. And we'll probably have this uh, come up again and again and again because apparently people don't want to believe that Yes, this is what goes on. Okay, so next, this is um, one of our celebrity stories this week. Hasn't really been heavy in mainstream news, but it has come up quite a bit. So this involves T.I., rapper T.I., Tip Harris, and his wife, Tiny Harris, and a woman who has been a friend of theirs for a decent amount of time named Sabrina Patterson. Now, a few weeks ago, it was definitely after the inauguration. So I would say probably about three, uh, about three, four weeks ago, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms named 
T.I. to a committee there in Atlanta, Georgia. He fancies himself on being a community activist and being involved. If anybody has listened to me long enough, you know I'm no fan. I find him to be uh, quite the misogynist. I am not as fascinated with him as other people. I also find that he is one of those people who surrounds himself or finds himself, because I don't think he's smart enough to deliberately surround himself with them, but he finds himself in, in the company of people who are intelligent and thus thinks he is by virtue of the fact that he's near them. He is what one of my favorite vloggers on YouTube, uh, Ford's Rocks, calls the intelligent adjacent. <laughs> she calls him IA. And, and I love that. So I'm going to, for the purpose of this, I'm going to steal that from It's Rocks today, or rather I'm going to borrow it from you. Love your rocks. So Sabrina Patterson is a friend of theirs and apparently had a nasty run-in with uh, T.I., not recently, but that she claims he pulled a gun on her when she was allegedly defending his wife. Now, in the midst of this, and I'm not even going to try to dis dissect it all. It sounds like they just have a very, um, very mingled in, in multiple avenues of their lives, uh, personal lives as in adult personal lives, as well as the lives of their children, because they claim to have also been mentors to her sons, etc. She is a former um dancer i believe um aka stripper and uh just a part of that whole lifestyle that uh ti and tiny and other folks down there are pretty open about being involved in so she does have a past but held so does ti and tiny so let's not pretend they don't and so apparently she claims that even whether it was before or after, because she continued to have a relationship with them, she talks about how he is not a good person to be appointed by the mayor and, you know, Mayor Lance Bottoms, you need to watch yourself being associated with him and having him mixed up in anything that you want to be credible, which I, that part I don't entirely disagree with because while we can argue back and forth all day about someone committing crimes, doing their time, paying their debt to society, which he did, he went to jail and coming out and starting, uh, starting their new life with their family and being a father and being involved in his kids' lives. I mean, we've all seen the show and all of that. And I get all of that. I still think in the case of T.I., there is still a lot of problematic things that he says and does, particularly as it relates to women, that while we can say he paid his debt to society from a criminal justice standpoint, and certainly as a Black man who has an opinion on those things, having been in the system, knock yourself out. Nobody has an issue with someone talking about something that they actually have knowledge and understanding of, whether it's from actual research or you lived it. And he did. But 
that does not elevate you to role model status when there are other things in your life or other things that you say and do that are still problematic and sets a poor example for people who look up to you by virtue of who you are and and your status and who you hold yourself out to be as well as just being generally offensive to 50% of the population i.e. women so there you so i i'm inclined to agree with her on that you know and it's one of those things where people can feel how they want to feel with the messenger about the messenger all day long that doesn't necessarily change the message unfortunately as we know the message a lot of times goes down with the messenger but it is what it is so sabrina patterson took it a step further she didn't just talk about the fact that he he allegedly pulled a gun on her and, and things got physical with them she also went on to describe the fact that she participates in ti and tiny's rather colorful sex life which is something that is known it may not have been known to some of you as my listeners but it is something that is certainly known in their circles or people who pay attention to sort of the pop culture hip-hop community especially down there in atlanta and it's not even something that uh, tiny in particular uh shies away from and they've been on shows and podcasts ones that are a little more liberal shall we say, uh, sexually. And they've talked about the fact that if they want to bring another person into the bedroom, mainly women, if they want to bring another person into the bedroom, they do. Their their issues are when one or both of, uh, either of them goes off and has a quote unquote relationship with someone else, like when they broke up a couple of years ago, et cetera. So anyway, forget all that. The bottom line is this isn't, She's not speaking out of school when it comes to the fact that these things going go on. Where things took a hard left is that she began to describe uh, stories where not all of these escapades, when they bring in other women, whether it's strippers, sex, sex workers, people that they meet out at the club or whatever, that not all of those situations um they they are not as pristine in as much as those situations can be pristine as as others and and uh and i'll explain that that these situations often involve drugs and alcohol again not surprising and that the drugs and alcohol that the drugs in particular she's claiming that ti and tiny require tiny in particular who she um says is the aggressor then in in some instances that they cloud the judgment of the women and consent becomes a bit murky and other women when she put that out began to allegedly and all of these are allegations these are allegations by sabrina patterson 
The only thing that I am saying that is fairly known and from their own mouths is the fact that they have a liberal sex life in terms of um, bringing other people into the bedroom should they choose, like having threesomes. But this stuff is all allegations. So this is all alleged by Sabrina Patterson and these other women now maybe about 15 or 16 of them. I think some of the stories sound a bit suspicious because they're you know, some of them are too closely linked, almost like being copied. But then there's some where the details are very disturbing and don't quite seem as, doesn't appear made up. But again, all allegations that these other women have uh, started DMing her and, and she of course, put them on her um, Instagram and Twitter page. I'm not going to give out the page because I'm not endorsing anybody's page involved in this. And that she, those women are claiming that, yes, they have had situations where they have gone over there willingly and that when they got there, that taking a drug, uh, mostly Molly, was a requirement. Don't know why. And some of them the describe situations where it's not so much that they didn't consent to a potential liaison with uh, the rapper and his wife. It was more so that they would find themselves in situations where they were set up to do things with other people, like waking up and finding that there's a possibility that you may have been uh, slept, uh, you may have uh, had sex that you weren't aware of with not only more than one person, but people you don't even know, like a member of the road crew or something like that, or a security guard. Um, so just very unsavory situations as it relates to consent. And, um, you know, and it's just very gray very vague. There was some, um, some conversation about there being some questionable ages there because all of these women, of course, they're going to be young and pliable and interested where, you know, they were late teens, early twenties, but there was at least one story that I read where the companion of one of the ladies was allegedly underage. But again, these are all allegations. The thing that is uh, a concern for T.I. and Tiny is, of course, this affects the bag. Because if you are having sex with whoever, knock yourself out. If you want to turn your house into a sexual smorgasbord, knock yourself out. Alcohol, drugs, do what the hell you want. That's on you. And I'm, I'm speaking now as a defense attorney. Whatever you do behind closed doors, you're dealing with all adults who are ready and willing to be there and to participate in the activities knowingly throughout the course of whatever activity is happening. Hey, as far as I'm concerned, it's no different than uh your friendly neighborhood key party with 
uh, with couples that swing. Everybody knows what they're there for. Everybody is down with the get down. And as long as people are free to um, participate or not in whatever activity, then we're good because all of that boils down to consent. And even if going in the door, you are of the, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be down. As long as at no point, if you change your mind, that has not been taken away from you, you're good. Or your host is good, shall we say. So that's where things uh, get a little murky with them. There's, of course, again, there is questions about Miss Patterson. There's questions about whether or not any or all of these uh, allegations that were supposedly sent to her are true. Um, of course, you're going to have people, uh, especially the T.I. and Tiny stands who are on some kill the messenger type stuff, they came out a couple of days later and uh, denied the situation with her. They had uh, one friend, not terribly bright, who got on her Instagram like the first night because she was so incensed that these things were said about her friends. So she denied it, but at the same time, sort of co-signed at least a part of it by saying something to the effect of, you want to tell everything, you want to say this, you want to say that. How about you tell about how you helped to recruit the girls? Well, so you're at least in part saying that some of these things took place. But again, as I've said, number one, all of these are um, allegations. And number two, as long as consent isn't a question, folks can do what they want. So in this America, okay, <laughs> because you do have that freedom. So what has happened as it relates to T.I. and Tiny, at least uh, any financial or corporate fallout from this, I'm not sure if, it, and it may not have at all, um, it have impacted his appointment to whatever this commission is um, in Georgia. And, you know, we know that not all appointments are made the same. Some of these things are purely symbolic. And personally, if I were to advise the mayor's office, I would leave it alone. It is in, in its entirety. If there's not anything going on where there's anything scheduled that where they have to appear together or the committee is doing anything public or anything like that, I would leave it alone. Because right now they're just allegations you're innocent until proven guilty, and nobody's been charged with anything. It's just a bad look. Now, as it relates to Viacom, who owns MTV, VH1, and freaking everything else, they have suspended, so we know what that means, it ain't happening. They have suspended production or moving forward with production on the uh, upcoming season of T.I. and Tiny's show, The Family Hustle, where it's them and several of their other family friends, Latoya Luckett, um, the singer Monica. And I think a lot of people were kind of looking forward 
to that. I'm not a watcher because, again, I'm not a fan of, of his. But um, some of the supporting characters had some interesting things go on in their lives uh, during the break, like divorces and that type of thing. So for those who enjoy the show, they were probably definitely looking forward to seeing how that was all going to play out on the show. It is not, at least for now. They have suspended production, and the statement from the networks was that the reason is indeed because of these, quote, troubling allegations, unquote. So I don't know, and that's why I said to me this signals cancellation, because how do you really investigate something where a person hasn't actually been charged with anything. Um, there's been no talk of whether there is an actual criminal investigation. Now, what we do know is that, um, and I hate to say it because it's my profession, but you know, I call them as I see them. Uh, celebrity lawyer ambulance chaser Lisa Bloom, in the spirit of her mother, Gloria Allred, has come into contact with some of these women and has even put out like a little mini commercial on social media for any of the women who have been involved in this and believe that their encounter was one of the more concerning ones, as I said, consent being the main issue, to contact her. She claimed on her um, Instagram or on her little mini commercial that they do have at least one person who they are actively, um, who they are actively uh, representing and, and are speaking with several others. Personally, I would think that Lisa Bloom would leave alone anything that involves somebody trying to go up against anybody in Atlanta after she had that whole Usher Raymond Quantasia uh, debacle when she put that uh, young girl up there claiming to have been in a whole situation with the singer Usher Raymond, and then it comes out that this young woman has been uh, claiming to have been with this celebrity or that. Her other friends started dropping dimes on her. I mean, it was just a mess. But hey, I, I guess, you know, work ain't honest, but it pays the bills, is, as uh, Erica Badu would say. So that is our second, like, oogie kind of sexy story and people would go does that really happen yeah does that really happen and get out into the public and everybody knows about it yeah where does it happen here in america because see in middle america where porn is at its height literally drives the porn industry at least they don't talk about their freakydom that's why on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, when two of the women were saying there's a thriving swinger community among the Mormons, you had one of them who, uh, Lisa Barlow, who considers herself more devout than the others, go, oh no, that's not true, that's not true, because some people have enough sense to try to keep their ish on the down low. You ain't gotta tell everybody everything. 
And maybe if they didn't think it was so cool to tell everybody everything, then stories like this about them would not be so plausible. And I'm not saying plausible deniability, actually plausible. So next, we're going to get deeper it deeper still because we're going to talk about what the white folks are doing and i'm back so how many of you are involved in the stock market? Any of you? Anyone? Anyone? I consider myself to be a novice. I'm learning. I am uh, my son, who I've mentioned to you all multiple times. He is my part-time sound engineer when he has time. And uh, I have a daughter who is 13, soon to be 14. And I, they have both been learning. My daughter, I just in, uh, enrolled her in a course that I'm going to do with her just to help me to learn more. But yes, yeah, so I, I do my dabbling at, at, at trading on my own. I would not say that I was an expert. Please don't ask me for your tips. Hell, I get tips from my son. <laughs> so, but anyway, unless you've been living under a rock and some of you do which is great because you come to me then you know that the stock market community went nuts a few weeks ago uh it's going on about two and a half weeks now when some folks on the internet there you go with that internet and more and particularly reddit decided that they were, and it had been planned, but it was finally time that they were going to go after some stocks and drive the price up of some stocks that they knew hedge funders in particular and others were betting to send to zero. And one of them was GameStop. So you've heard this, GameStop, GameStop, GameStop. What is the deal with GameStop? Why is that a big deal? Um, just trying to explain it to me. What exactly happened there? Well, first, before I get into the specifics, because I was able to, between reading about it, listening again to some of my favorite vloggers and doing my own research, I think I've come together with a pretty good um, broad sweep explanation for, we'll call it GameStop for Dummies, for what actually happened there. Or the Cliffs Notes. I don't know if people still use those. They were a big thing when I was in school. And so I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of this. So hopefully we'll all come out of this feeling like we know a little more than what we walked into. And you'll go, that damn just John, I have got to keep listening to that chick. But I'll tell you why I think this story is important. I think this story highlights the fact that of something that we have always known, particularly in a capitalist society and uh, particularly in America, because 
we have this capitalist society which sets us up to deal with class or rather not deal with it in a way that other countries do when we still have the same issues. You know, there are countries that have a caste system, so it's very clear, the tops, the bottoms, the middle, and everything in between. In America, we try to pretend that those things don't exist. So we talk about things in terms of well, you have the middle income people and the lower income people and who needs what based on that. On a local level, we talk about it in terms of which schools are Title VII schools or um, what school what school um, is one where most of the kids get free and reduced lunch, which is another way of saying that's where most of the people are in town who are not as well off as those whose kids go to another school on the other side of town where there's very few kids that get free and reduced lunch. So we have a lot of really cute ways of talking about this. And we'll talk about, or we'll just talk about people's money and people, excuse me, who are in the top 1%, top 10%, top 5%. But we never truly want to acknowledge that when we're referring to people as, you know, upper, middle, and lower class, we're not just talking about the finances. There is an actual caste system in place, and there is an interest in keeping it exactly the way it is with those who are situated where they are to stay there. And the when we talk about things like institutionalized racism, well, when we talk about class and this whole GameStop fiasco showed it, that just as much as racism is ingrained in our, pretty much in every institution in this country because it was built on racism, Class is very much a part of those institutions as well. The distribution of wealth, who has it, who doesn't, and who needs to keep it, where folks need to stay, that is as is, is ingrained in the system as well. This whole notion that everybody can rise to a certain level, all you have to do is work hard. Okay. All right. How true is that really, though? How true is that really when financial institutions would rather shut themselves down? You have brokers not answering the phones from their own clients for fear that they might cash in their stock and perhaps have a bit of a come up. Now, of course, things like Bitcoin, there's really nothing they can do about that because that operates, you can buy it through some of the the stock channels and websites, but ultimately it still operates um, in a network and in an area by itself. So you can't really do much about the fact that the price
price is driven up outrageously and people are able to cash in and become instant millionaires. Now, I suspect that it is coming, given that you have huge companies like Tesla investing like a billion dollars into it. Um, so yes, more regulation is coming, but again, it's something that's almost imaginary that became real. So there's going to be, a to regulate it, it's going to be tough and it's not just an American thing. And, you know, so there's, there's a lot more that, um, comes into play with cryptocurrency. But the regular stuff with these stocks we have here, well, folks can still jump in and they can make some changes. And that's why I call it what the white folks are doing, because people that look like me aren't making these decisions. There's a few of us sprinkled here or there, but not enough to really impact this whole situation to the same degree. So like I said, let me give you the Cliff Notes version. So let's start with hedge funds. You heard a lot about hedge funds. So I'm going to explain to you what they do and why something like GameStop hurts them or the GameStop phenomenon. So hedge funds uh, went to brokers. Now these are people who buy tons of stock and then borrow against it to do other things. So as it relates to GameStop, which was, you know, on its way out because people do online gaming. So you don't need these stores. It's no different than um, what happened to music stores. Remember, we used to be able to go and uh, there was music stores everywhere to buy CDs. Hell, I used to work in one. And those and and young people hung out of them. They used to hang out in my store, um, Blockbuster Video, and then Netflix came along, and they you had the whole Redbox thing, and then ultimately that evolved into a streaming service. And at that point, forget about it. So we know what happened to those. So these hedge funds went to to the brokers who owned uh, GameStop stock, and they they bought tons of it. And then they borrowed against it. Let's say they would pay an interest rate, um, a small fee to use it. So they'd say, okay, I will give you a, a quarter of the value of that stock so that I could use it and, uh, and borrow against it. And so just a small fee. And so they'd give them, you know, a little something, something. And, but... They have to return it upon request. Well, of course, GameStop people weren't asking for them to return it upon request. And let's say that stock was, if it's worth $10, then they're like, okay, I'll, I'll give you like two. And so they borrowed pretty much all of it. And of course, they're hoping that the stock would lose value and lose and lose and lose because ultimately once it gets to a certain point where zero then who's got it nobody's got to pay anybody back it's it's over so you have in the in the case of GameStop a hundred and forty percent 
of their shares were shorted. And I'll tell you what we mean by shorting. Let's say you buy a car for $10,000. Well, or there's a car that's worth $10,000. Well, you sell it to somebody else for $5,000. So now you've got that $5,000. Then that person sells it to somebody else for $2,500. So now they've got that. So each time it goes down the line, this stuff can be sold over and over again because again, people are borrowing from it. So now the problem is once that happens so many times, the hedge funds put themselves in a position where they would end up having to buy back more shares than was available because they they would have to buy back, excuse me, more than what's available because it's already gone so far away from them. And on top of it, they would have to buy it back at whatever price it's available so that they could get it back because they were essentially allowed to take out a loan. So the users on Reddit said, we'll sell it to them. We'll sell it to them. We're going to buy it in mass. We're going to buy so much of it that it is going to drive up the price because it's going to make it look like it's in demand. Since they need it back, we are they have to pay whatever it is that we charge for it. So when you have these massive buys, which they're buying at practically nothing, because remember, it has been sold over and over and over so many times that it's already in the toilet. So you are able to make these massive buys of this stock that was in the toilet, and now these people need it back. <coughs> so suddenly you see banks buying it and brokers buying it, and so the price is going up. Everybody starts buying it. Hedge funders want to buy it because they need to cover their short. Excuse me, I had to take a drink there. <coughs> Excuse me. So they need to cover their short, but now the price has gone through the roof. Hedge funders can't get what they need to cover all of their shady shorts. Meanwhile, the price is still going up. These hedge funds are locked in a position. So if they buy it at, let's say, $3 a share, now they got to buy it back at $300 a share. Because remember, when they played this game where they were winning on GameStop, they did it at pennies on the dollar. Well, now... The chickens have come home to root to roost. Meanwhile, again, GameStop 
while their stock is overpriced, still doesn't have the value, they start making money all of a sudden because they have a run on sales of PS5. So then it's like, what the hell are we going to (laughs) do? So the stock remained valuable for a couple of days, even though it started to come down because they still, the hedge funders still need it. There is still, as of maybe a week ago when I was doing this research, there's still about 122% of their stock that's shorted, of the GameStop stock that's shorted. So, of course, they're begging for people to sell. And the regular buyers, as of the beginning of February, were still holding. As of Monday the 1st, uh, GameStop was at $189 per share. Of course, it's come down substantially. I think that yesterday or the day before when I looked at it, and it may even be lower now, it was less than $50. So it's it's definitely coming uh, back within the norm, but it certainly isn't, <laughs> you know, practical pennies. So it has been a crazy ride. So, okay. So you got the scoop on what happened in terms of the technical piece. Now let's talk about what happened in terms of the frenzy. What happened in terms of the frenzy is that the powers that be, these hedge funders, the big money folks went nuts. How dare these regular folks be out there trying to make money? It doesn't matter who told them to do it. It doesn't. And you can't say that someone was doing insider trading. People made a plan. They started a rumor, a movement, whatever you want to call it, and they made a run. There, It is no different than the normal speculation that goes on in the market because the whole market is built on speculation. So they speculated that if we all do this, we can drive this stock up. And then we may even be able to do it to AMC and a couple of others. So we need to spread the word, nerds unite. And unite they did. So as I said, this thing got so crazy that the chairman of the stock market even threatened to shut down trading for the day. People were losing their minds. Now, I am glad to say that there were several pundits who were on television who were like, screw that. Let people trade. Let them do what they want to do. Like Mark Cuban was saying, people, if you can afford to hold it as and not sell it, hold it. See what you can get out of, out of it. Now, if it starts to drop, obviously you need to sell because you want to make your money. But Make them be accountable for the games that they play. Because remember, this entire thing was built on the back of trying to essentially short a company's stock to the point that a a company who was already on its last legs, that they would be driven to zero and essentially not be able to recoup anything because once it gets to a point where stock is worth nothing, then nobody owes anybody anything. Allegedly. My thing is you always owe me. If if I pay for it, you owe me. But they're hoping to drive it all the way down. And that's what they do. But if I call it and say I need it back, 
you've got to get it. But the hope is that you would be able to get it really cheap because it's been shorted. What this GameStop did, situation did was drive it up. So then you had to get it at a price that was well beyond anything you would ever imagine when you made this shady ass deal in the first place to take advantage of a company that was on its last legs. Meanwhile, you are also participating in a situation to thwart regular folks like you and I who may have had a couple of shares like that wonderful story with the young man whose mother gave him a few GameStop stocks for Kwanzaa last year, Christmas 2019, I guess. <clears throat> yeah. And of course, now they're worth over $20,000 and she was able to cash them out for him. So it's very interesting because again, the mechanics, I told you about it just so that you can understand it. But does that really matter? What really matters is you live in a system that claims it wants you to win unless your winning is a perceived threat to those who are already sitting in the winner's circle, no matter how it is that they got there. There's not supposed to be enough room for you. We'll be right back. And I'm back. Our next story, and this is going to be a quick and dirty because I really don't think that we even have to pretend like we thought this was going to go any different. I thought about doing an entire special on it, and then I said, you know what? Why? Why would I do an entire impeachment special when I already know how it's going to turn out? Did the, the the house managers do a fantastic job? Yes. There were points where it was chilling. From the opening statement straight through, it was very, very well done. Did President Trump's or former President Trump's lawyers come out to play? They did when it was time to put on their case. The opening statement... I mean, I, I don't know what that was, but God bless them. They got themselves together and did a very nice job. Um, I'll have to hand them that when it was time to put on their case. Then there were some questions about whether or not witnesses would be called. The house managers wanted to call several witnesses, including Vice President Pence, uh, Nancy Pelosi, etc., and at that point, uh, the defense strategy, which I was a smart one, was to say, okay, if you're going to do that, we need 100 depositions. Clearly, that wasn't going to happen. There were some negotiations and a deal was made and there would be no witnesses because we thought that that might happen today. 
There would be no witnesses. And this all started on Tuesday, by the way. So Tuesday the 8th. I'm sorry, Tuesday the 9th. And so and today is uh, Saturday the 13th. So they did keep it tight. I'll give them that. Uh, the house managers only had 16 hours um, to do their case. And they did. They They actually were a little under. So they decided, you know what, we're just going to go to closing. We have done what they felt, what both sides felt was a great job in presenting their case. It was very interesting because the case was very, very visual, um, which was absolutely fantastic. And so I I definitely have to give kudos um, as it relates to that for both, um, for both sides, but particularly the house managers who were mostly Democrats just the videos that 13 minute video in the opening i i just don't know how you could look at that and not say wow and there was so much that we learned obviously that uh, many of us did not know we suspected just the back channeling that was going on the communications back and forth and just really tying it all together um, just really tying it all together with the individuals who we knew were involved in this situation, um, up to and including the former President Trump himself. And again, none of this was a surprise. So ultimately, what was decided was that the uh, was that they would do their closings, great closing statements, and that the Senate would vote. Now, personally, I never thought that the impeachment hearings should have gone on. I don't have the constitutional question. Um, I, that part doesn't bother me that some Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, which I will uh, read you his statement in a moment, um, I don't have an issue with the constitutional question. The The situation occurred while he was president. And you, it, to me, uh, it's no different than any other situation where people uh, get charged and, and or convicted of offenses even years after the fact, or when, or, or for instance, individuals in the military um, may face court-martial even after they are no longer in the military for crimes that they did when they were there. So I don't have that particular issue with it. My issue from the beginning was that I knew that the Senate wasn't going to convict. It just wasn't going to happen. So it, they were not going to get two-thirds votes. There was never a question that they, weren't, but that they were going to get two-thirds votes. No matter how well the case was presented, it just was never going to happen. And anybody who thought they that it was, well, you know, I've got a bridge in New York to sell you and one in uh, California that isn't exactly golden, but they call it that. And I'll sell you that one, too. It was never going to happen. The fix was in. And I don't mean the fix in the Donald Trump sense. I mean, just in the colloquial term, the fix was in. Individuals had already decided what they would and wouldn't do. I mean, for God's sakes, Ted Cruz is walking around with a freaking mullet the hell is wrong with him? 
I mean, it's 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 just anywho. I get frustrated even talking about it because it's just a waste of time and resources. It was a waste of time and resources even for the individuals who put on the case. A remarkably well done case. You know what? It was a waste of your freaking time. You could have been somewhere doing something on behalf of your constituents instead of putting in the hours and hours and hours preparing this case and having your aides and law clerks and everybody preparing this case because this stuff was well done. So it is clear that there wasn't just skill, but this was where that wonderful place where skill and preparation and hard work all come together to make you look good. And they did that. But it was always going to ultimately be a waste of their time. Because even if your point was to show it to the American people, you were preaching to the choir. Sure, it was put together in a way that made it even more horrible because you saw these clips all together. But we watched it unfold and that didn't change people's minds. The, those who felt a certain way about this went in feeling a certain way and came out feeling a certain way. And I defy anyone to say otherwise. This is what it is. We knew that. Why? Because this is America. This is America. This is America's land of the free, home of the brave, all of that, unless, unless my guy's in charge and your guy's not. Unless, as we just learned at the last election, a person that we don't want gets elected and then we storm the, the Capitol. Unless, as we saw with the GameStop, the wrong people potentially have a means of making money and making those who make their life's blood off of speculation and undercutting other companies have chickens come home to roost. Unless you are a woman that is probably of means much lower than the, your celebrity counterparts and you're put into a position where your consent may be questionable. Unless you are a woman in Texas and there is a man who has some air of power and influence that can lie to you and several others and still have tremendous support because it's not like people didn't know what he was doing and he will still come out winning and despite the things that you told on him you will still be made the fool because this is America. And I know that the things I said made it sound so dire. No, it's not dire, it's just the truth. There are many, many great things about this country. I would never live anywhere else. I mean, try me, I might, I don't know. I just wouldn't give up my American citizenship, but I heard Dubai is pretty cool. But all that being said, People ask all the time, is this America? Of course it is. Of course it is. You have a certain inalienable rights. There's just an unless a good portion of the time. 
And it just depends on what it is that you're trying to do, who you are when you're trying to do them, where you are, and who else might be on the receiving end of it and where they fall in the socioeconomic strata, in the racial strata, or the sexual one. How much that unless will impact you and how much you will have to work to overcome it and move beyond it. But yes, this is America. Stop asking. Because not one of these things is new. How women are viewed when they are in sexual situations, not new. The fact that individuals are so desperate to be with someone and women are taught that a man, any man is fine, is not new. That's why you believe anything anybody tells you when they come and go and you see him once a week. Unless you're a pilot and you, unless he's a pilot and you see him getting on the plane, what the hell? Unless. You are a regular person trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents and you end up bumping up against the people who are used to having that dollar and the freaking 15 cents. Unless you are apparently on the wrong side of history when it comes to holding those in power accountable for their actions, even when what they have done is not just uh, steeped in the fact that they want to win. Sure, for President Trump, what he wanted was to win. He did not, he was, he was just could not conceive of the fact that he lost. But for many of those who bought blindly into the bullshit he was selling, it for them, it didn't have anything to do with, oh, I have to win at all costs. I need to make sure that they win at all costs. It was the fact that they were fueled by a hatred, many of them, not all of them, of course, not everyone, but many fueled by a hatred that he and those around him knew how to ignite by using key words like they, those people. They knew how to ignite it by pointing out certain places that were problematic and whose votes needed to be thrown out without coming out and saying it, but we all knew that those were largely urban areas. And it was going to be viewed as okay to disenfranchise those individuals if we had to. Those people who stormed into the Capitol did it arguably under this righteous umbrella of the election was stolen from our candidate. But what underpinned that is what the candidate ignited in them. Something much deeper, something much more senator. I'm sorry, something much more sinister. Something far sicker. An illness that has plagued this country 
for generations. And so when I say this is America, does that mean that all hope is lost? Absolutely not. My own story is one of being a young woman who is the first in her family, immediate and extended, to not only go to college, but also to achieve education beyond that. And to have all of them there and proud of me and with me and what have you. And then happy to say that that was a trend that continued with the other young people in my generation, my younger cousins, my sister, all of them. So we are the hope and the dream of slaves. There are many who are. I am living Black history in my family. I'm living history in my family. And so many people can say that. And that happened here in the United States of America. And I'm proud of that. But we can be proud of our country and still speak its flaws and expect that accountability will come to bear when she's wrong or we have been wronged by her. So there's no reason to ask, is this America? It is. What we do about it? Well, we're gonna be talking about that for another several generations. I'm simply saying, stop asking. You know where the freak you are. You know that this is stuff that this is the stuff that happens and it's not going to stop happening. It just is. That's all I have for you folks on this episode. Thank you so much for hanging with me. And I know that ended on a little sobering note, but I hope I brought some fun and some interesting things to you. We've still got lots more to come. I cannot wait until you all hear the episode regarding pardons. I think that there is never a time, I don't care that it occurred a couple of weeks ago, that everybody needs to understand how these things work because it's actually something that's continuous, is constantly going on. There may be people in your life who need this kind of information. And on the flip side of that, you need to know what's going on when Ish is more than a little bit shady. So there'll be some information there will be some information that hopefully there's people out there that can use and, and use actually constructively. It, you know, I don't know your life or that of others. You may actually need it. Or just to know what is going on and who is out there walking among you. Now, before we go, I promised that I would uh, read to you what Mitch McConnell said about why he did not vote um, in the Senate uh, to um, that he voted to acquit because we know the impeachment was in the House and then the Senate had to vote to convict and they didn't. Um, Senate Minority Leader, and I'm I'm getting this from, uh, gosh, oh, I pulled this from CNN. So Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said, if former President Trump was still in office, I would have carefully considered whether the House managers proved their specific charge. 
Now listen more to what he said, because he pretty much said that they did it. But after intense reflection, I believe the best constitutional reading shows that Article 2, Section 4 exhausts the set of persons who can legitimately be impeached, tried, or convicted. Its president is the vice president and civil officers. We have no power to convict and disqualify a former office holder who is now a private citizen, McConnell said. Donald Trump's no longer the president. Likewise, the provision states that officers subject to impeachment and conviction shall be removed from office if convicted, he said, emphasizing from office. Now, he didn't count out the possibility of uh, former President Trump being tried and convicted outside of this setting, like in civil or criminal courts. He said President Trump is still liable for everything he did while he was in office as an ordinary citizen unless the statute of limitations is run. Still liable for everything he did while in office. Didn't get away with anything yet. Yet. We have a criminal justice system in this country. We have civil litigation. And former presidents are not immune from being accountable by either one. He went on to say that the Senate, uh, the Senate's decision to acquit uh, former President Trump does not condone the violence on January 6th. It simply shows that the senators did what the former president failed to do, which is that they put their constitutional duty first. So strong words from Mitch McConnell, even though... You know what I mean? They're strong words within the overall context of still saying no, uh, the conviction isn't warranted. But nevertheless, he still felt that um, he still felt that the actions that were taken uh, by President Trump were improper. So, you know, we get to be wishy and the washy, I suppose. And, and so he was. So there you go. We knew it was coming, but I guess he felt like he had to say something. You know, ho-hum. Everyone, once again, thank you for being here. I hope you listened to the end. I hope you got something out of it. Enjoyed the episode. And uh, as always, you can listen to this on all formats. If you have Apple, please go there, give us five stars and um, leave, uh, leave your comments. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Let's Be Honest JJ. That's L-E-T-S-H-O-N-E-S-T. Uh, well, L-E-T-S-B-E-H-O-N-E-S-T JJ for Just John. I always forget that B-E. Anyway, it's in the info section. You're going to find it or join in on our daily fun where we talk about these stories and a lot more. I ran a little long, so I didn't even have a chance to get into the Chris Harrison bachelor situation. I am going to do the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion part one. I will talk about the bachelor situation during that episode. So you'll still get my opinion on both of those, on both of those stories. As always, if you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, chances are I'm thinking about it and want to talk about it with you. So let's be honest together. Bye-bye.